enjoyed the book of Philippians. I found some very helpful things in the book of Philippians. And I've seen a few things that I've, I've never noticed before. And uh, I'm going to do my best to convey them to you without sounding like I'm talking to teenage boys. So if I sound like I'm talking to teenagers, please forgive me. I'm used to talking to them. I'm used to teaching to them, and I'm used to teaching on their level. So if I, uh, if I sound like I'm talking down to you at all in any way, shape, or form, it is not intentional, intentional I promise. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read quite a few verses, um, and we're just going to slowly walk through it. Uh, if we get finished, great. If not, then we'll just stop where the Lord allows. Verse number 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made of himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and th of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. I'd like to pray really quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for many blessings, Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity to, opportunity to open your word and read it, God. And Lord, I do pray that you'll bless the reading of it, Lord, and I pray that you'll bless the teaching this morning. I pray that you'll help somebody here, and I pray that you'll help me personally, God. I pray that you'll give us a good day in church, Lord. I pray that you'll bless, bless us with your presence. And I pray that you'll be with the pastor as he's away, God. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. The book of Philippians is an interesting book. Um, <clears throat> we find in the book of Philippians is when Paul is in jail in Rome. He wrote the book from, uh, from jail. I wish we had time to go through the whole first chapter because it really sets the stage for what I would like to talk about. But we find uh, right at the very beginning of what we read, it says that if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. I find it interesting in the book of Philippians that uh, you really don't see any major uh, church issues, if you will. So if you go over to the book of, say, 1 Corinthians, you find all of these issues that Paul is dealing with that is going on inside of the church. And he, he talks about church discipline and, and how to handle all of these different things that they're doing incorrectly. You don't really find that in the book of Philippians. For the most part, the Philippian church was a, uh, uh, air quote, good church. Obviously, we're not good. I know that. But 
from a biblical standpoint, as we read the, the, the book, we don't see major issues. But if you go to chapter 1, it says in verses 14 through 17, it talks about how Paul tells us that he's in bonds and he says uh, things that he would rather, he, he, would he would like to die so that he can go to heaven, but it's more needful for him to stay. But we find in verse 14 and 17, he, he makes a reference. He says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of good will. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. I see that there's a little bit of division. There's a little division in the Philippian church. He's saying that there's individuals that, hey, they, they, want, they want to preach Christ of contention. They want to add affliction. They want to, they, they, they want to make, uh, there was a problem in this time period. They would want to take the law that, would, that, that was impossible to attain, and they would want to impart it on believers and say, hey, you have to keep all of this, otherwise you're not going to heaven. That's not the truth. We know that. The Bible has told us that. Jesus told us that. Uh, we know the truth from the God's word, but there's always those individuals that think that works will get them to heaven. They're, that's the truth. But what Paul is telling us in chapter 2, he's saying, if there's, it, it, fulfill my joy that you be unified. I've, I, I, the first thing I see in this chapter is a call to unity. When I say unity, I mean unity, not uniformity. So we have a problem in our current churches that we all look the part, we all act the part, but in our hearts we're not unified. We're not one group of believers. We're a, we're a group of people that meet together, but we don't love one another properly, and we don't treat one another properly, and we have, we have our, our, our issues with one another and our aggravations with one another, but we don't have that true unity. You see, in, in churches, if we can get to a place where we have true unity in, in our midst and with our members, we can get to a place where you see revival, where you see a church grow because you're, you're, you're loving individuals properly. There's no backbiting and there's no, there's no murmurings and there's no fightings and there's no issues with, within the church because we're unified. <clears throat> he says, fulfill ye my joy. There's joy in the unity. That you be like-minded, having the same love. We, we come together in a church setting, in a, in a corporate worship group, to, to love one individual. It's not, a, it's not a, a power show or a pride show of what I can do or look at me and how good my family looks. No, we, we come to church to worship Christ. We come to church to propel Christ's name and Christ's gospel and to see people saved for Christ's sake and his glory and his honor. But we find that in verse 3, he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. The problem in churches is we've got a pride problem. We've got a problem with uh, uh, the reasons, really, that we have problems with unity where we just don't get along with those around us is because I feel like I have been slighted. I feel like my, my pride has been looked down upon or I have not been uh, noticed in the manner that I should be noticed. This is wrong. What does he say in the rest of verse 3? He says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. We don't come to church, we don't come to church to serve with the mentality of let me get the recognition for it. Service in 
uh, service inside of a church or, or anything that you do for that matter inside of a church should not be for the idea of I need the praise for this action that I'm taking. Because when you start to seek the, the responsibility or the, uh, the positions or the, the pride of having something in, that you are doing inside of the church, it beca- begins to form this, this idea in you that you are better than what you really are when we know that the Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. It just, just because I'm doing a good thing does not make me better than what I am. I'm still sinful flesh. It is all Christ in us. That, that If it's not for Christ in us, we cannot achieve anything in this life. So we, we look at ourselves and we think that we are great and we are, we are doing such an amazing job. And I, I don't ever want to look down on anybody or, or say that your service is in vain. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the idea that you are looking at yourself and doing things with pride, it, it, it does not create unity in the church. People can read that. People can see that. We'll get on to it in a minute as we carry on it, uh, some of the things that happen. But how do we get to a place is the, the real question here is, is how do we get to a place where we can have this unity that he's talking about, where we can work with one another together as a as a collective group? That's it's not about pride. It's not about individual gain. And it's not about what I have to give to the world. How do we get to that place? For. There's a couple things here. He says, look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I, I just say, I would go and say that, you know, it's not about you. I've already, I've already covered it. But the real, the real test is in verse 5 through 8, I believe. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The way that we get to a place where we have unity in our church and unity amongst believers is through a submissive mind. A submissive mind. Verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The last time I was here, if he was here, we talked about Christ. We talked about his sufferings. We talked about what he went through on the cross. But in all that God went through, did you ever see him fight back? Not one time. Not one time did he ever fight back. He allowed it to happen. The the only thing that you ever see of Christ that that would ever show a hint of, I just don't really want to do this, and I don't think that's even what it was saying when he was in the garden. He said, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, let thy will be done, not mine, is what he says. And that's a paraphrase, I know. Even in the, the hardest thing that any individual has ever went through, and he knew that it was going to be the hardest thing that any individual had ever went through. He said, boy, I, 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 I'm stressed about it, if you will. Put it in layman's terms. But it's not about me. It's about what you want. It's about what God wants. So if we can get to a place as a group of people that we have the mind that is, it's not about me. It's not about how good I look and how well I've done. It's all about Christ. It's all about what he's done and what he's doing, not the fact that I am 
cleaning the toilets or I, I've cleaned the carpet or I've shook the most hands or I knocked on the most doors. And I don't want to take away from anybody that does those things because praise God that for those that do the services in our churches and those that are, are doing the task. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is we don't want to get it in our head that we are greater than what we are and, and allow it to become a source of pride in our lives. Because it'll take away from the body. It'll, it, it'll take away from your testimony and your ability to be a light to, a world, to the world. It'll, be a, it'll take away from your testimony to be able to minister to your church family and those around you. How many have ever seen an individual with pride in their life? You can smell it, right? You can see it all over them. The, uh, teenagers are the best. You know, I teach a lot of teenagers, obviously. And I teach teenage boys. They, those boys, they love basketball. Basketball is their thing. We've got a basketball court at our church, and they'll sit out there and play basketball. And one of them will do something cool or make a dunk, and you can just see it, that strut away, you know, like, oh, I did that. This, this passage has been really good for us because it's an issue with men especially that we have pride. We think that we're better than what we really are. I think of Paul where he, he, I think it's actually in chapter, chapter 3, I think. He talks about, uh, he talks about his, the confidence of the flesh. He says, you know, you talk, you're talking about the confidence of your flesh, but then he goes through this pedigree. He says, as touching the law, blameless, talking about himself. He says, I got all of these, but I count it but, but loss. It's useless. Save Christ. All of it's useless. See, I, I, as a male, I have all of these accolades that I've done. I've served in the military. I've, I've done all of these different things. I have this job. I, I make this amount of salary, and it means nothing. All of those things, like I'm, I'm grateful to have served the military, and I'm, I'm thankful for my job, and I enjoy what I do, but in reality, none of that's going to last. It's going to have no, no profit to eternity. So why would I get built up in myself over these mediocre things in reality when you look at the eternity of, of life and eternity in Christ? See, I could spend my entire life doing the, the mundane tasks, which they have to be done. Somebody has to do them. I'm not saying we don't do the mundane tasks. I'm saying we don't get the pride in our hearts that thinks that we are better than what we are. Why? Why is it important that we don't get an idea of we are greater than what we are? Because this, the submissive mind that Christ exemplifies for us, there's, there's results that come from this submissive mind. And verses 9 through 11 is one of the, some of the most amazing verses in the Bible. It says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name of, uh, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We see in the Gospels that Jesus was humble and he was a servant. He came as a lamb. He, he did not come as a lion, but there's coming a day that Christ is going to come back as that lion. 
He's, the Bible is telling us that this time period that we are on earth, we are to be submissive to Christ and we are to, to live a life that is fashioned after the one that Christ has lived on this earth and be, we are to be servants to those around us and, and we are to do God's will, not ours. But there's coming a day that there's going to be a reward for that. Obviously, Christ is, is the king of heaven and earth and he is, he is going to be exalted and all the naysayers... Uh, one day they're going to bow the knee. I, I can see Adolf Hitler bowing the knee. And I can see good, uh, uh, Buddha or Muhammad or whoever. They're going to bow the knee to Christ. But it's a picture of this is the result of your submiss- submission. Yes, uh, people are not going to bow the knee to me. No, I don't want them to. But I'm going to receive a reward for my suffering, if you will, my, for, for my actions and my, my mentality. I will receive a reward for that. But earthly, what, what do we have earthly that we can visually see? In verses 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Obviously, I've already mentioned it, we don't believe that works get you to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. He is the way to heaven his, by his blood only. Romans explains that to us. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. But what we have here is a purpose to achieve. <clears throat> Verses 14 through 16 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as what? Lights. As lights. In the world that we have today, we have social media, we have Google, you can get online and you can find Anything you want to know about anybody, just about. You can find anything you want to know about any business, right? You can go online and look at Google, and you could look up the local Sonic or the local McDonald's, and you can see all of the reviews. How much more important is it in a church that you don't get negative reviews? And bear with me. I'm not saying that we should falter to every individual or allow our, our uh, standards to wax lower and lower to accommodate individuals. Don't, 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 I, I do not agree with that philosophy. But if we do not handle ourselves in an appropriate manner, what does that say about us when individuals come into our churches? And they get a negative feeling or a negative feedback about our church because of us. It's not a slight on anybody. This is what he's saying. He says, do all things without murmurings. So what's murmuring? It's going behind each other's backs and gossiping or, or the Israelites. They couldn't even make it. The, do you know that the Israelites only had to make 10 days without murmuring to get to Canaan land? It was like a 10 days journey. They couldn't make it 10 days without murmuring and griping and complaining about their situation. So, in our churches, when we're griping about, well, 
Did you hear what the pastor said today? Can you believe that the pastor said that? Or did you, did you see what so-and-so was wearing? It's none of our business. It's between them and God. That's Bible. That's not, that's not Justin saying that. That's Bible. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We shouldn't be fighting one another over silly things. The problem is in our churches is we have a group of people that have not submitted their mind to God. They've not submitted their mind to what God has for them in their church. If we can get to a place where as individuals that we have submitted our will and our mind to God, our creator, our savior, we can become a light to the world, truly. A group of people that loves individuals correctly can have a mission uh, capacity that is just out of this world. 90% of people, they just want to be loved, truly. They're looking for something. If anybody here is, not, is saved and can remember when they're, when they, before they got saved, excuse me, I remember looking for something, needing something. Almost feeling like I'm hunting for it, but I don't know what it was. I was a child when I got saved. But I remember distinctly thinking there's something missing. What's missing? That's what individuals that don't know Christ are looking for. When they come into our churches, if they see a group of individuals that are backbiting and talking about one another or griping and complaining about this, that, or the other, what is it showing them that they're missing? We are Christ's examples on earth. We are to be an example of what Christ is. We should love people in a manner that is Christ-like. We should carry ourselves in a manner that is Christ-like. We should love each other in a manner that is Christ-like. Not in a manner of, well, I'm going to put on a show for everybody around me. That's where we come back to the unity versus uniformity. You know, in a football team, or a baseball team, or whatever. We can all put on the same uniform. But if we're not all in sync, if, we're not, if we don't have that chemistry, that unity that makes a team, we're never going to win. You could have all the talent in the world. But if you don't have cohesion, and, and guys that like each other, that can work together, you can't get a winning team. It's the same thing in the military. They actually have technical manuals and i've read them i used to have to read them i had to memorize many of them they have these big thick technical manuals on how to build a cohesive team and i find it interesting because in james and, I, and excuse me we're not in james but in james chapter one it tells you that uh there's going to be many temptations or trials the whole book of james is dedicated to trials in our lives in the christian life what does the trial do? Does anybody know without me turning there and, or quoting it? It worketh patience. And when patience has her perfect work, she creates perfection. Perfect does not mean actual perfection. It means maturity. So these trials in our lives create maturity. In the army, we, would, we believe that the best way to make a cohesive unit was through joint pain and suffering. That is what the technical manual tells you. That is why you find drill sergeants being mean, 
That is why you have hazing with brand new privates. It is to make them a cohesive team. It is a real thing. Now, I don't believe God is in heaven saying, I'm going to put everybody here through the ringer to make a team. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in the sense of we all have problems. We all have trials. We all have things that we have to go through in our lives, right? Everybody here has lost a loved one. Everybody here has had a financial burden. Everybody here has had something happen in their life that was hard. When we get to a place where we are unified as a church, it's a whole lot easier to go to the one that you know is struggling and just be there for them. You don't have to do anything other than just be a shoulder to cry on, a, a, a kind word. Maybe there is a chance that you can do something for that individual. But when, back to, the, to, to a world standpoint, when the world comes in and sees a group of people loving one another correctly, it creates something, and it shows them that they are missing something. When you see that love that can be given from those around, we are humans, okay? We are going to butt heads at times. Our, 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 uh, uh, the way that we perceive the world doesn't always jive exactly. But if we can get out of the mentality of, well, they don't like me because of me, no. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Christ. Let me be the light to the world, and not only the light to the world, but to those around me that are, that are my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Paul's getting to. He says there's a purpose. There's a purpose to achieve, but he says there's a power to receive. In verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What is this power? Not a physical power where I can heal somebody or something along those lines. No, that's not what we're talking about. An individual who <clears throat> lives what they say, they do what they say, they have a testimony of, you know, this is what I believe, and this is what I do, and this is what I live. That person has power, okay? That person's act and their walk has power because they're truthful. There is no hypocrisy in them. This is how the, they're not just up there saying it or they're not just saying it to an individual, they're living it. It's the same thing in a, a work setting. If, you're, if you've got a guy that is down there doing it and he knows how to do it, he's proven he knows how to do it, you have a whole lot more, there's a whole lot more likely that I'm going to go to that guy to teach me how to do that task. And that's a simple version, but it's the same thing in Christianity. When I'm living a life that I have submitted my mind to Christ and I've submitted my will to him and I've, I'm doing my best to love those around me, people pick up on that. People pick up on the fact that you are, you are living a life that is for Christ and it's not about you. and They want to know what you've got, whether they're saved or not. Newsflash. Every saved individual does not have it all figured out. They don't. I don't. There are areas that I am lacking in, big time, and I see them. I know them. 
But there are those same areas, there's individuals that I look to that are strong in those areas. So if I, if I watch that individual as he succeeds in the area that I'm struggling in, and I've watched him, and he's living the life that, I, that I, I'm striving for, and he's, a, he's more perfect, if you will, or more mature than I am, that gives him power. It's not a physical power or a, de, a, de, a, a demeaning power. It's a power of, hey, I want to know what are you doing? What, what, what is this? Can you show me? You, it, it gives him a, the ability to minister to me because I see the power that he has in his life that I don't have yet. Does that make sense? When you live a life that is that is, it is right and, it, and you love those around you and an unsaved individual comes in your church and they watch this, 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 what I've just explained. They watch these people love each other, take care of each other. And when they walk in those doors, you go to them, hey, we're so glad to have you today. Hey, we're, what can I do for you? Can I help you? If you have any needs, I'm here for you. It may be a little overbearing to some. It is. The introverts in the world, I'm one. So, but anyway. But when they see that, it's different. I've been to a lot of churches. It's not that way at many churches. People don't love, Christians don't love other Christians, and Christians definitely don't love unsaved individuals. And it's bad to say, but it is the truth. The last time I've read my Bible, I find that we have what's called the Great Commission. I'm to love those outside of the world. The Bible says to love your enemies as yourself. I'm not saying those people are my enemy, but if I'm going to love my enemies, how much more are the ones that, that Christ died for? The gift that was extended to me goes straight to them too, if they'll accept it. But the problem in our churches is we're too busy fighting one another. We don't love one another correctly. We don't, we don't heed what the Bible tells us. and he, He's basically telling us that we could be a super church, if you will. I hate that term, but you can grow a church just by loving people. I've had a pastor one time when I was younger. We was, when I was in the military, actually, we was in Colorado. I had a pastor there, <clears throat> and that, the pastor just loved people. He was nothing special. He was wise. He was smart. He was a very, very good preacher. But he just loved people. He knew everybody's name. We had a church of four or five hundred people. And he knew every single individual's name. He knew their kids' names. I had three at the time. And he knew them. That's impressive. But he grew. Obviously, God gave the increase. But because of his submission to God and what... He was doing what God wanted, and he was loving people correctly. He grew a church of over four or 500 people in a very liberal state. That's impressive. It speaks volumes to what can happen when you just love people, and you live a life that is in unity with those around you, when we're not fighting one another, when we're not backbiting with one another, when we're not arguing with one another over things that in eternity, is it going to matter? No, it's not going to matter. <laughs> Lastly, <clears throat> we see in verse 16 through 18, he says, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. 
For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. There's a promise to believe, guys. <clears throat> we have a purpose to achieve, a power to receive, and a promise to believe. The promise is, is that if we're doing what God wants us to do, there is a reward for it. I've already mentioned it once. <clears throat> if we are doing what God says, the Bible tells us that God will build the house. If God doesn't build the house, we labor in vain. But God's not going to build something. And I'm not speaking necessarily just in church, okay? I'm, I'm speaking more individual here. God's not going to build something in your life if you're not going to allow him to do it. God's not going to let you get to a place where you can love individuals, and he's not going to teach you how to love individuals and how to, how to live this kind of life if you aren't willing to allow it. It's where we go back to verses 5 through 8. It's where it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In Antioch, when they came up, they coined the term Christian, it meant Christ-like. If we're to be Christ-like, we're going to have to get to a place where our mind is submitted to God. If we're going to ever, uh, ever receive these promises in, in the Bible, if we're ever going to see growth in our churches, growth in our family, growth in ourselves, we're going to have to submit something. It starts in the mind. The mind is a great battlefield. It really is. It's where we, we, we fight off the flesh, if you will. That was interesting. But the mind is a, this great battlefield. It's where I do 90% of my fighting with myself. If I can't get to a place where I can submit my mind and my members to God, I'll never be able to do anything for them. If I can't get to a place where I can love individuals whether or not I like them, that has no, no matter. I, mean, I, can, I can love an individual but not necessarily like them or their personality. I can do it. I've done it. But I can love them in a Christ-like manner because that's what God has told us to do. Are you going to falter sometimes? Yeah. Are you going to make a mistake once in a while? Yeah. It's a daily thing, guys. You get out of bed in the morning, God, this is it. This is the problem. I recognize this problem. I recognize I have this issue here. Lord, help me to submit my mind to you today in this area or any area. Name, you name the area. It doesn't even have to be in the, uh, the, the unity and love idea that we're, we're talking about here. It could be in any area. It could be along the lines of the music you listen to. It could be, it could be uh, your relationship with your kids or your your. Uh, significant other or whatever in an area that you're struggling in if you just can learn to submit your mind there's promises to to have he says holding forth the word of life the word of life that i may rejoice in the day of christ that i have not run in vain neither labored in vain 
Guys, if, you, if we can get to a place that our, our mind is submitted to God and we labor in love to those around us and to the one who saved us, it's not going to be in vain. It's not going to be in vain. It is worth something. It is worth everything. And one day it will be worth everything because when, the, when our works are tried and our motives are tried, we want gold and silver and precious stones. We don't want wood, we don't want, want wood hay, and stubble. If your motives are wrong, if, you're, if you wasn't loving correctly, if, you're, if your service wasn't with the right uh, attitude and the right spirit, it's wood, hay, and stubble because you, you received your reward down here. You received your praise down here. If we can give it up and say, God, I, I'm not worried about the praise. I'm not worried if anybody sees. I want to love individuals whether or not anybody else knows I'm doing it. There's a promise to receive, guys. There's something to gain from it. I think we're a couple of minutes early. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and close it right here. Do you want to pray or do you want me to pray and dismiss us from Sunday school?